Good morning, everyone. I mean, you're happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Can you say amen? amen? God is good. He didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. He's still on the throne. I want to read a passage of scripture to you from Isaiah 43. I was uh, shocked when I saw Isaiah 43 in the bulletin. Uh, But I'm going to start with verse 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. Precious Heavenly Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus that you'd speak to us mightily through the power of your word and spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. When I was a little boy, My dad tells me this story. I do not remember it, but he said I was about 18 months old, and we were at Knott's Berry Farm, and there was this this, uh, miniature house of horrors for little little guys. It It was so low that only a child could walk through it, but yet it was filled with ghoulish figures designed to terrify young children. It was really... Uh, created, it was designed to produce childhood trauma (laughs) that lasts late into adulthood. And uh, I decided, my father was walking and holding my hand, and I decided I wanted to go into this house of horrors. And so he let me go, and I start walking through. And the further I walk, the more terrified I become, because when I look to the right, I see a ghoulish figure, and I look to the left, and I see a demonic being, and and then I look to the right, and I see a witch, and I look to the left, and I see a sorcerer, and I look to, and it's full of these ghoulish, demonic beings. Now, meanwhile, my father had gone around this house of horrors to the other side and waited for me to come out, and he was crouched down, and he was watching me, and I was so captivated by all of these images of fear that I was not looking at my father. And I got close to the end, and right at the exit of this house of horrors, there were the two scariest beings of the entire house. And I stopped, and I froze in my tracks, and I'm looking at these two, and I had to go right through the middle. And my father was on the other end going, he was just a few feet away from me. He's going, come on, Benjamin, you're almost there. Come on out. And he says, I look to the right, and I look to the left, and I look to the right, and I look to the left. And I turn around, and I ran all the way back. <laughs> and my father, being a good father, he ran all the way around and met me on the other side. Whether I came out the front or I turned around and ran out the back, The father was still waiting for me on the other side. I've been meditating on a verse this morning, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, the scripture says that 
The tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus to hear him, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law were judging in their minds, saying, this man eats with sinners. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus is looking at two groups of people, a group of Pharisees. Let's say this is my Pharisees, all my, all my Pharisees and teachers of the law over here. And then here we got tax collectors and sinners, right? We got all my tax collectors and sinners. And this is Jesus. He's, he's standing here and the tax collectors and sinners are drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law are drawing back to judge him, drawing near to hear, drawing back to judge and actually, both sides were judging one another because the Pharisees are thinking, if this man knew how wicked these people were, if he were really a prophet, he'd know that this group over here is whacked out. There's some wicked people all up in here. I can discern it in my spirit. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not. And the tax collectors and teachers and the tax collectors and sinners are thinking, if Jesus knew how arrogant and how religious and how legalistic these Pharisees were, he would rebuke them. Now, Jesus decides to tell a parable. Actually, he decides to tell two parables. Here's the thing you've got to understand about the parables of Jesus. If you were in the presence of Jesus when he was telling a parable, you were up in it. Because when Jesus, that's right, up in it. That's East Oakland terminology. There's, there's a difference between being in something and being up in it. Anyway, the parables of Jesus were always about the people present. Sometimes you listen to a parable of Jesus and you go, ah, wait a second. He was talking about me. So Jesus looks and he sees two groups of people and he tells one parable. He says, what man of you, if you had a hundred sheep and one wandered off, would not take the 99, lock them securely in the pen and go off in search of the one? And he would search for him diligently until he found him. And then he'd put him on his shoulders and bring him back to the 99. And then he would rejoice. He'd call his friends and neighbors and rejoice. Say, rejoice with me. My sheep was lost, but now he's found. And then Jesus says, so shall there be much more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who repents than over many righteous. Translation, you Pharisees and you, you teachers of the law, you guys are judging this group over here, but they're the one sheep that's wandered off. And I got to go get them. And when I go find them and bring them back to me, there's going to be rejoicing in heaven because one lost sinner has repented. And there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over many righteous. And the tax, and the tax collectors and sinners were like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then just says, wait, I got another parable. What woman of you who had 10 coins, if she lost one, would not sweep the house clean and search diligently for it until she found it? And then when she found it, she would call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me for my peace was lost, but now it's found. Likewise, I say to you that there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And the Pharisees misunderstood this parable. Because they thought it was a repeat of the first parable. They thought he was still talking about the tax collectors and sinners. Because in the mind of the, tax, of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, the tax collectors and sinners are the only ones who are lost. And they missed the point 
that Jesus in these two parables switched it up because the sheep was lost outside, but the coin was lost inside. He actually, the lost coin was actually the tax collectors and sinners. I mean, the the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Sorry. He was actually giving two parables to say, you're lost and you're lost. And one is not greater than the other. I've got to leave the 99 to find y'all. And I've got to sweep the house clean to find y'all. And he looked, and both of them didn't get that second one at all. So he said, I better tell you a third parable. There was a man who had two sons. <laughs> Unmistakable. Two sons. The younger one said, Dad, how much are you worth? And the dad said, this is East Oakland translation, by the way. I called the NGT, the New Ghetto Translation. (laughs) Dad, how much are you worth? I don't know, son, a lot. Well, Dad, how much is a lot? You heard the story of the boy who said, God, how much is a million dollars to you? And God said, about a penny. The boy said, wow. He said, God, how long is a million years to you? He said, about a second. He said, wow. Then he said, God, can I have a penny? And God said, sure, in a second. (laughs) True story, you know, true story. No, I'm just kidding. Dad, calculate your value. I want to know your true value. I want to know how much you're worth. And the father sat down and he he calculated all of his assets and he said, okay, here's my value. Here's how much I'm worth. He said, dad, second question. If if you were to die today, how much would I get? He said, well, let's say, see, uh, my net worth is, let's say, a billion dollars. You're the younger son. Your older brother gets a double portion. So he gets 666 million. You get 333 million. He goes, cash me out, pops. He said, what you talking about, cash you out? If it, see, you could tell that this father in this story was not black. I would, mm-mm, mm-mm. My daddy would have still been beating me. <laughs> or I'd still be in the hospital from that beating. Cash me out, pops. What do you mean, cash you out? Well, see, the way I figure, you're only about 25 years older than me. And I'm 25 right now. So if I have to wait till you die to get my 333 million, I'm going to wait till I'm about 75 years old because you eat healthy and, you know, you're probably going to live a long time. None of this is in scripture. I'm I'm (laughs) paraphrasing. I'm taking liberty here. Forgive me. And the dad said, watch this. The dad says, okay. What do you mean, okay? He calls this his steward. He says, I want you to liquidate whatever assets you need to liquidate in order to get $333 million and give it to my son here. He said, are you serious, Dad? Yeah, I'm serious. And he takes the money and he leaves. Meanwhile, the older brother's out in the field plowing, being faithful to the father, obeying all the father's commands, And he sees his brother loading suitcases full of cash into his Maserati. 
And the older brother is furious. The younger brother leaves. The older brother stays. The, the younger brother leaves. Perhaps one reason he leaves is because he sees how hard his older brother is working for no reward. And he says, I'm not going to be like him. And the, and the older brother stays, perhaps, because he sees how rebellious and unruly his younger brother is. And he says, I'm not going to be like him. The younger son leaves. At first, he's having a wonderful time. He's spending all of his money on prodigal living. Prostitutes, wild parties, drugs. He's got a lot of friends as long as the money's flowing. But then all of a sudden a famine hits that land and he begins to be in want. It's very interesting that the language there says that he begins to be in want. It's the opposite of Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I don't know the Lord as my shepherd, I begin to be in want. All of a sudden his friends disappear. All of a sudden, the party stops. All of a sudden, the alcohol stops flowing. All of a sudden, girls don't want to talk to him anymore. All of a sudden, he's penniless. All of a sudden, he's got nothing. He wonders, how could I find myself in this bankrupt situation in which I have nothing to show for all of my freedom? He finds himself in the pig's pen. And he says, he comes to a census. He says, how many of my father's servants have food and much to spare, but yet I'm starving. I know what I'll do. I will arise and return to my father. And I'll say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. And so he arose and went. And the scripture says that while he was a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him. The son was walking towards the father. The father was running towards the son. The thing you must understand is that God is always running to you faster than you're walking to him. We are always very slow in the return of our hearts to God. And we don't know how slow we are. Sometimes it takes us years to get something that, can you imagine how hard, you know, how many of you have children? Okay, just like five of you. Everybody else of you is like 16 years old. That's okay. The thing you're going to learn about children is children are are kind of, kind of, they just don't get it. My daughter, I love my daughter to death. I would give my life for my daughter in a moment. I love her with my, whole, with my heart. I love her with my soul. But she gets on my last nerve. Because she doesn't get it. She doesn't follow simple instructions. You know, one of the things she does that really gets on my nerves, it takes her forever. Now, she's eight years old. She's at that stage where she's got to look good. She's got to look good. So I wake her up every morning at 7.15 a.m. She's got to be at school at 8 a.m. And we've got to leave the house at 7.55 a.m. for her to get to school. Her school's right around the corner. And so 
she, you know, she's got a routine. She wakes up 7.15, she brushes her teeth, washes her face, then she puts on her clothes and gets, you know, does her hair and puts lotion on her face, then she comes downstairs, I give her her breakfast, and then we pack up and we get in the car and we go. But sometimes, sometimes, some, see, most of the time I don't have to watch her, you know, but sometimes, I remember just recently, I went upstairs at about 7.45, it was less than 10 minutes She had been up for 30 minutes. We have to leave in 10 minutes. I walk into her bedroom, and she's standing in her closet in her panties, looking at clothes like. And she had like five different outfits laying out on the bed. And I'm like, put something on right now. Daddy, this doesn't match. I don't care. I don't care if you're wearing one blue sock and one yellow sock. Will you put it on quickly? And then here come the waterworks. Oh, great. Now I'm the bad guy. I'm trying to get you to school on time. It's like this just keeps happening and happening. And she's eight years old. You think she would have got it by now. But the one thing we learn about children is, They're children. And so, you know, we might get flustered because we're trying to get them out the door to school. But when it's over, we smile and we say, they're just kids. Can you imagine what God feels like with us? I mean, I'm talking about like we wake up in the morning and five seconds hasn't gone by and the father's got to be in heaven. Like, are you serious? For real? You had that thought? Oh, my God. Like God is saying, like, you know, (laughs) what in the name of me is going on down there? (laughs) For my sake, will you get it? How patient God must be. How loving and patient God must be. Because the difference between us and God is that things occur to us. But has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? The father knew that the younger son needed to go on his journey. And he did not try to stop his younger son from going on his journey. And the father knew that the older son needed to go on his journey. And he did not try to stop the older son from going on his journey. But the father knew that two sons in the kingdom are not alike. This one's journey leads him that way and this one's journey leads him that way. But whether you turn to the left or the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. I love that story in Luke chapter 24 of the two disciples who had left the church in Jerusalem and they were on their way to Emmaus. And isn't it interesting to me, it's interesting to me at least, that Jesus' first priority after the resurrection is to go take a walk with these two disciples who are leaving. And what's interesting to me is if it were me, if I were Jesus... I would just say, hey, guys, it's me. I'm alive. Look. Look at my hands. It's me. Dude, you were wrong. Turn around. Go back. Come on, go back. Everything's okay. Come back. It's okay. If if I were Jesus, that's what I would have done. But he doesn't. He walks seven miles with disciples who are walking away. Isn't that interesting? That even if you walk away, Jesus will walk with you. 
That's why I love reading Genesis. You see the grace of God so deeply. In Genesis chapter 3, God says to Adam and Eve, that's it. Get out of my garden. You're out. And he throws them out. He puts a flaming angel with a sword at the door. Like, it's like done, right? And then they get out. And, wh- and what do they say? God is there. And he's talking to them. Hey, guys, how you doing? <laughs> you ever thrown somebody out of your house? I mean, just imagine this. Like, somebody comes in your house, and they're in your living room, and you're talking. They disrespect you. You're like, that's it. You are out of my house. And you grab them by the shirt, and you throw them out of your house. And then you step outside, close the door, and lock it. And you go, all right, where are we going? Where are we going? Even when they ate from the fruit of the tree, God shows up at the same time. Oh, it's time for Adam and Eve's prayer time. Here, time for me to take my walk with Adam in the cool of the day. And he shows up like he didn't know. Sometimes I think God pretends not to know. Adam, where are you? Like he can't see him hiding behind that bush over there. Adam, Adam, you're late. Where are you? Isn't it funny that they mess up and the first person to meet them is God? And it's not God who's running away from them in fear, but it's them that are running away from God in fear. What does Jesus do on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples? He walks with them. The first thing he does is he opens up the scriptures to them. And then the second thing he does is he enters into the house with them and sits at the table and breaks bread. And in the breaking of bread, their eyes are opened. He reveals his presence to them in that order. He opens up the scriptures to them. And then he reveals his living presence to them. Can I say something to you today? New Philadelphia Church is walking through a very difficult time right now in its history. And there are those outside saying, you need to get out of that church. And then there are those inside who are reaching to those outside saying, you need to come back into this church. Can I say to you that both voices need to stop? Because it's not about whether you're inside or outside. It's about whether you continue to walk with Jesus. And for some of you, your journey is going to lead you out. And many's journey has led them out. And others of you, your journey is going to keep you in. And many, your journey has kept you in. But whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. What is important right now is not your allegiance to man, but your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Are your ears open to hear the voice of Jesus? Are your ears open? We just got to get back to the basics right now and say, Lord Jesus, would you just walk with me on the path that I'm walking right now? And would you open up the scriptures to me? Would you sit with me? Would you come into the house and would you reveal your presence to me in the breaking of bread? Let me tell you something. I truly believe that Jesus will move my heart. If I'm not in the right place and I need to be somewhere else, Jesus will move my heart. But I focus my attention not on where I am or where I'm going, but who I'm with. Am I walking with Jesus? When the younger son returns... 
The father runs out to meet him. The younger son tries to make his apology to the father. But the father sees complete repentance in his heart and shushes him. And instead puts a ring on his finger. Puts a robe on his back. And puts shoes on his feet. And brings him into the house and kills the fatted calf and throws a party. My son was dead, but now he's alive again. My son was lost, but now he's found again. Paul talks about us being dead in our transgressions and sins in Ephesians chapter 2. In our state of deadness in our transgressions and sins, we are unable to fellowship with God or with his body. And fear, the experience of fear, simulates the experience of sin because it produces in you a sense of alienation and inability to connect with the living presence of Jesus. And I believe today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever you are and whoever you are and whichever direction your journey leads you, that God would break the power of fear off of your heart and open you utterly to the presence of Jesus. Because I say to you that he is already walking with you on whatever road you are walking. He is always walking with you. He said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. When you walk through the rivers, they will not overflow you. For I am the Lord your God. And he has promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Whatever your journey is on, Jesus is on the journey with you. And this is the key. I started with the story of myself walking through that house of horrors. My father was a good father, and so he waited for me on the other side. But one thing my father could not do was enter into that house of horrors with me. Why? Because he could not make himself small enough to enter into this house of horrors that was designed for children. But I'm telling you that we serve a God who's able to make himself small enough to walk with you through your house of horrors. And if you walk through it, he walks through it with you. And if you turn around and run, he turns around and runs with you but his promise is never will I leave you never will I forsake you and I am with you always even to the end of the age I want you to know that on Christ the solid rock we stand and all other ground is sinking sand and the church is the church of Jesus Christ we got to get back to basis and cling to Jesus Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes he causes a shaking and all things are shaking so that that which cannot be shaken may remain. And when everything is shaken and everything falls and everything shatters in my life, I know that one thing never changes. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. But they are new every morning. I want to encourage you today. Jesus is Lord, and he's your Lord, and he's your God. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I speak your blessing over each and every one of these sons and daughters of yours. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. thank you for your supernatural love.
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall now upon your sons and daughters and bring comfort and peace. Psalm 94, 19. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. I pray for those who are experiencing a multitude of anxieties. And I pray for your comforts to delight their souls. I speak blessing and encouragement in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. At this time, I'd like to introduce Dr. Steve Chang, professor of New Testament at Torch Seminary. He has an announcement to make. Thank you, Pastor Benjamin, for the word of God. Very encouraging for me personally to hear that. going to read a statement um, from the assessment team. Um, many of you may not know that there was an assessment going on um, during the past week. And uh, I just want to uh, prepare you that um, you would respond um, in faith knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and that has not changed. You are part of the universal church, and that has not changed. And our hope is in Christ, and that has not changed. But let me read the statement um, of the assessment team, and I will pass it on um, to the board members after this. As many of you have heard by now, over the past week, I, Pastor Sam Song of uh, Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong, and Pastor Benjamin Robinson of New Life uh, Christian Center in Oakland, conducted an assessment of the emotional and spiritual health of the leaderships, leadership of Pastors Christian and Aaron Lee. The result of that assessment was a unanimous and dire concern for their emotional and spiritual health. It is our conviction that neither Pastor Christians, Pastors Christian and Aaron nor New Philadelphia Church can progress in their respective healing journeys while Christian and Aaron remain in their current leadership positions. We felt that leaving them in their current positions was the most unloving thing that we could do for them it is with that in mind that we have requested that they resign from their leadership positions immediately in order to pursue a pathway of healing and restoration for themselves and their family. This was a difficult decision for us to arrive at, seeing uh, that all three of us have a deep and abiding love and respect for Pastors Christian and Aaron in our hearts. Nevertheless, it is our conviction that their resignation needed to be effective immediately. They have graciously and in full trust of our God agreed to comply with our assessment and recommendation. While we know the hurt feelings and unanswered questions uh, will be excruciating for them, 
Um, because of our loving Father, we are hopeful that their journey towards healing and New Philadelphia Church's journey towards healing will lead to a rebirth of God's favor and blessing to the glory of our God. And I want to leave you, um, New Philadelphia Church and Pastors Christian and Aaron, um, with just a sentiment of deep love and respect for you guys as a church and for Pastor PC and uh, Pastor Aaron uh, with scripture. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Dear New Philly members and community, my name is Young Ko. I am one of the four elders of New Philadelphia's uh, multi-site board, and I serve as a leader at New Philly Shilim campus, and I've been at this church since 2014. And I will be reading a statement on behalf of the multi-site board. First off, we sincerely want to thank the assessment team, Pastor Sam, Pastor Benjamin, and Dr. Chang, for flying out and making time available to assess the condition of our church and to meet and listen to our church. We are grateful for your prayers, love, and care. As we just heard from Dr. Chang, the assessment team has recommended a course of action, the resignation of Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron have submitted to this course of action and resigned as the lead pastors of New Philadelphia Church. Although this news is incredibly hard to receive, we believe that this decision is what's best for Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron and for our church. We support PCNPE's humble decision to resign and seek healing, counseling, and rest. In the same way, we hope that our church community would also take the time necessary to grieve and process and heal as we pray for the restoration and transition of our church and for Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. And to PCNPE, we honor you for 10 plus years of service and dedication for New Philly. And we love you and your family, Shiloh and Ezekiel. As one body in Christ, we're walking this life journey with you as brothers and sisters in Christ. Over the past years, we have gone through seasons of highs and lows, of joys and also pains. We share and carry these memories with you 
but above all, we are holding fast onto God's promise and hope that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And to the members of New Philly community, we believe that this news is very difficult and shocking to many. The multi-site board and the campus pastors are committed to guide New Philly through this difficult time. Those who need time to process and grieve, please take time to process on your own and seek community to walk this process together in this difficult time. And we are very aware and have heard your pains and hurts from across the campuses and abroad. Our prayers and heart go out to you. And our priority is that the church go through healing. And we know that the transition and healing will take time, so we ask for your patience through this process. For those that would like to seek counseling, please reach out to us as our church does have counseling services available. We understand that you may have many questions at this time, so we are planning to hold a community forum on Saturday, May 19th. Anyone who is a part of our New Philly community is welcome, whether you are a formal member or leader or not. We invite you to please join us as we present and discuss the next steps for New Philly, and we will set up live streaming for Busan, Sydney, and, us, and Melbourne campuses. Lastly, as a multi-site board, we sincerely ask that you please pray for unity, wisdom, clarity, and strength as we, along with the campus pastors, lead the church through the upcoming transition with humility and wisdom and from multi-site board. At this time, um, I would like to invite Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron to come up and give their statement. Uh, I think Aaron is going to share a few words after me. Uh, New Philly, all is well. All is well. Everything is going to work out great. God will bring the healing, grieving. Erin <clears throat> uh, and I, we just want to thank the assessment team. <clears throat> Dr. Chang, Pastor Sam Song, our spiritual papa, Pastor Benjamin Robinson. Uh, we're just so incredibly thankful. Uh, these are men who are busy with their own ministries and families. Uh, Pastor Sam to fly in from Hong Kong. Pastor Benjamin uh, to fly in repeatedly from California. Um, uh, we do not take that for granted. We're just so thankful. This is a demonstration of their love uh, to sit through all these interviews and listen and to uh, make a tough call. Uh, but to do it in love for the church and do it in love for us, uh, we're just incredibly thankful. And so Aaron and I want to make it clear. Uh, 
uh, we were very thankful to this assessment team. Um, the assessment team recommended uh, we resign from a leadership position. And we've chosen to submit, and we voluntarily resigned the authority that God gave us to lead this church. You know, I was personally committed to make things right, to renew the church. And Aaron and I, we wish we could stay and heal while we lead. But the assessment team doesn't think this will be good for either the church or for us. And so we're resigning because we want to humble ourselves. And we want to trust God that he's ordained this assessment team uh, to see things that we may not fully understand yet. In Mark 8.35, Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Uh, in the spirit of sonship as well, Aaron and I, uh, we submit ourselves to our spiritual father, uh, Pastors Benjamin and Sonny Robinson. We submit to them for our restoration. They will be the ones who are most committed to see us through this time. We hope to heal and grow through counseling, therapy, and processing, reflecting with them. Pastor Sam has also expressed his heart to help walk with us through this. And Dr. Chang has expressed his emotional support and presence here as well. We're thankful for each of them. Uh, so we're not alone. We're not left alone to figure this out. And they will uh, help determine when we are ready to return to ministry. Uh, we've also been asked to refrain from participating in deciding New Philly's future. The assessment team will help our remaining staff and leaders navigate this. And as uh, Young announced, the community forum will be an opportunity to hear from the community uh, so that you guys can uh, also help uh, decide the church's future. And, you know, for your own good, Aaron and I, we personally want to ask you to give them the support and love, uh, patience and grace you will show us. Um, you know, we're so, sad, we're so sad that you've had to say so many goodbyes over the past few years. We're sorry the church has been in a long season of grieving. Uh, we're, we were so heavy-hearted that we had to do this assessment and that we as a church family, we had to go through this. Uh, we're sorry that some of you had to defend us, uh, that you're in an environment where you felt torn and caught in the middle or anxious uh, because you also know us, but you also you've heard uh, your friends who've expressed the hurt and offense that they've experienced. And today, we are truly sorry uh, that you're losing your lead pastors. And we're sorry for the, we're sorry for the uncertainty that you now face. We grieve with you at the state of our church. And Cindy and Itaewon, we are sorry that we are not around to help you search for a campus pastor. Uh, this resignation is tough. Uh, we don't want to hide that. It's been incredibly agonizing for Aaron and myself. Now, in terms of faith, we feel like we gave it all. We gave it our all here at New Philly. We believed all the prophecies and promises spoken over us. And I'm incredibly disappointed. And perhaps you are too. So we're wrestling. 
Why would God call us to this incredible ministry only to end this way? You know, we tried our best in our limited capacities and we served in love and we saw God save and revive so many lives. Uh, but still, we have to face that our leadership was marked by shortcomings and grievous patterns of domination or spiritual abuse. So we're not victims by any means in this whole, in this whole matter. But we ask for your prayer because we are hurting too. We'll need time to reflect and heal. And we'll need to overcome the temptation to walk away from ministry. But in all the uh, pain and agony, all the struggle that we are facing, when I look past the mess of this whole situation, I do hear the voice of the Lord saying, don't fear. This resignation is from me. I'll take care of the church and I'll take care of you. And as hard as it may feel, I want to say that what's happening here is not exclusively a bad thing. The Bible says judgment always begins with the house of God. We cannot lead by worldly patterns and expect God to remain silent. We must give an account. And the Bible also says the father disciplines the sons he loves. And despite all that's happening, Aaron and I, we have so much to be thankful for. Just knowing you and walking with you, serving with you, laughing and living lives with you. We wouldn't trade that for the world. We are so thankful. And we've seen the transformed lives and we've gotten emails of people's testimonies. Thank you for writing in. Indeed, God's grace has been abundant. He's been good to us in all of this. Uh, the assessment team thinks it's good for the community to have relational access to us. Uh, so we may need our space and time, uh, but we want to tell you we won't be running away from you. Uh, we won't avoid you. Um, we may need to ask you for help in finding a job. Uh, I'm sure Peksu life is wonderful. The unemployment life is wonderful. Uh, but, you know, we don't want that to last too long. You know, I just want to share a short story. Back in uh, 2006, there was a wonderful, spirit-filled, charismatic leader that was leading a ministry here in Seoul. And it was uh, packed out with young people. And worship was thick with the presence of God. And people were getting saved and revived. Uh, and then this pastor... Um, felt the calling of God to plant a church elsewhere in the city of Seoul. And so after praying, uh, he left. He was sent off to plant this church. And uh, quite a number of people went with him to plant this church. And with the people who remained, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know who they were. The identity of the church, this ministry, on a hillside, in the city, Shilim section of Seoul, 
They didn't know who they were without this guy. He was, he was what the ministry stood for. And uh, a tall pastor from India stepped into the leadership position. And he loved the church. And he discipled the church. He led the church through a very difficult transition. And after two years, he got set up on a blind date in Chicago, met this woman one time, and decided to marry her. Then a few weeks later, we found out that he will be moving to Chicago. And then the church was once again faced with uh, not having a shepherd. And in 2008, uh, the Korean church that this English ministry was a part of, they prayed and they felt like somebody from within the church would rise up to take the leadership of the church and fulfill many of the promises that they had been believing for the English ministry. Promises for world missions, promises for revival. Uh, and they asked a, a, a young 29-year-old, 28-year-old kid from the streets of Philadelphia to take over this ministry. And uh, that's how we got New Philadelphia Church. And we've grown to six locations, uh, college ministry and three campuses, and in Australia as well, and a house of prayer. Uh, New Philly, I just want to encourage you guys. Stick by each other. Love one another. Seek the face of God. You may be surprised at what God does. He's done it before, and he can do it again. Perhaps the ministry that you find in the future, you're like it way more than New Philly. And I will be a little bit, <laughs> no, I will be really happy uh, to hear about that. Perhaps when all is said and done, this is how God moves to bring forth more spirit-filled churches in Korea and Australia. A few of you, like Myung-ho, you've experienced this entire ride. Trust him to do it again. The glory of the latter house is greater than the first. You've seen it. So just trust him to do it again. Like I said before, uh, this resonation is tough, incredibly agonizing. How could, God, how could things end this way? Has God's promises failed? And I just want to end with the gospel. Because of the good news of Christ, failure, sin, and death does not have the final say. Resonation, layoff, divorce, or even the death of a loved one does not have the final say. I believe the death and restoration cycles that we experience in the church and in our individual lives is simply a reflection of Christ's death and resurrection. And it is a prelude to the great end times restoration when Christ will make all things new. 
So no matter what you're facing today as individuals, I want to encourage you to keep your head up. Press forward. Get up every day. And keep walking. Keep believing. Keep hoping. We serve a resurrecting king who gives us the strength to overcome. This is not the end. God is faithful and he will finish what he's begun in New Philly and each of our lives. I just want to end with a Steve Furtick quote. This homie has been really blessing me through this whole, this whole past year. Pastor Steve Furtick, he's a pastor in uh, North Carolina. And he said this, he said, failure is not the end, it's the hinge. It's the hinge on which the doors of God's grace swing wide open for you to experience his forgiveness at a greater level. Your failure is not the end. God's going to use the one who know their need for grace to show others what his grace is capable of. It can't end like this. Your story can't end in this grave. There's more for you to do. It cannot end in fear. God can turn every mistake in your life into a miracle. All is well, New Philly. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of your faith. Uh-huh. There's a lot of statements today, huh? I hope you guys have space for just one more. Um, as Pastor Christian has shared, I'm so, so thankful to the assessment team. And in all of this, I hope you guys know that we really do feel God's love um, for us and for the church. He's faithful and he's good. I just kind of want to share a little bit. Um, this church is, is not just the church I had the privilege to lead as a pastor. It's a church that I came in 12 years ago as a very broken newcomer. Um, It's where I personally experienced incredible revival. Okay, thank you. Um, Of my Christian faith when I was living very backslidden. And it's where I experienced the fire of God like I've never experienced before. Um, Through this church, I was able to receive deliverance from a lot of different bondages in my life and deep inner healing for past traumas. And it's the church that, for the first time, I felt fully seen and fully accepted by a spiritual community. This is where I met my husband, and this is the church that helped prayed for a miracle for me to have my first child, Shiloh. And it's also the church that helped welcome my second It's where I first heard a call into ministry and where I experienced a community who truly believed in me. I've had the honor of walking with many of you personally, and I've also been able to witness many of your lives transformed at all of our campuses, directly and indirectly. This church is more than a line in my resume. This church changed my life. 
I love this church with all my heart. And to come to a greater realization of my utter failure as a leader pains me in ways that will be really hard for me to describe. I know that there are deeper levels of this truth that I will come to realize over time. But for now, I want to say I'm so sorry. I want to say to those who are in the community that are still here, I'm so sorry you have to go through the pain and the confusion of your lead pastors resigning. I'm so sorry if this is not the first time you've had to go through something like this, or if this is not the first time you feel the church has failed you. For those of you that have left our community because of my failures as a leader, I'm so sorry you had to go through leaving a community that you cared for and for many of you deeply loved. For the pastors we worked with with all over the world, including MPWN pastors, and for those who've been tuning in via podcast or YouTube, I'm so sorry of how this might confuse you. I'm so sorry to all of you who have been under my personal leadership, who have experienced trauma or pain because of me from the bottom of my heart. I'm so sorry. My prayer is that as Christian and I step down, there will finally be space for everyone to heal. And for those of you that are in pain, I pray that in this season, you will experience God's deep, deep restorative healing. My prayer is that God's genuine works may not be forgotten and that his name will be glorified even in our resignation. To him be all the glory. And I pray that his presence will be near to all of you in a deep and real way. For it says in his word that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. May we all hold fast to our God who is for may we all hold fast to who our God is and his incredible unfailing love to all of us. Yeah. Thank you to all of you for the ways you've impacted our lives. I love you and I'm praying for you. Thank you. As we close the service today, there's two things I'd like to bring to your attention. First, uh, the send-off service for Pastors Christian and Aaron Lee will be on May 13th, Sunday, May 13th. I will be returning for that service. And also, there will be a community forum on Saturday, May 19th uh, for all of you to come together here uh, to process together, to share what's in your hearts, and to talk about what's going to happen moving forward. As was stated, the multi-site board is leading the campus, uh, leading the church. The campus pastors will lead the campuses, and they, those two groups will communicate together. They'll also receive feedback from the overseers, um, and the Lord will lead you on, as he will lead pastors Christian and Aaron and their family on as well. Let's all stand.
As we close, I remind you of the words of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And now, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will, restore, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And Father, I do speak your blessing over your people today, over those who are near and over those who are far. Holy Spirit, we invite your healing work. And Lord Jesus, we ask for the outpouring of your love. We commit ourselves to you and to the word of your grace, which is able to give us an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And we give you glory, Father, in Christ Jesus. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen. God bless you.